Welcome to the Music Education Advocate Podcast, where we share stories and strategies to support music education advocacy. I'm your host, Jasmine A. On today's episode, I'm talking with my friends and team members, Amanda and Zach. They work for the National Association for Music Education, and the work that they do is focused mainly on the federal level music education. Hey, team. Hey, Jasmine. Thanks for having us. I'm so excited to have you both back on the show. Um, And just for our listeners, this is actually part two of the federal update. Part one came to us way back in January of 2023. It's now May of 2023, and they're going to update us on what they've been up to and, and how that work is happening. So let's get started. What have you two been up to in regards to federal advocacy? Well, it's always a busy time of the year when Congress is in session and things are starting to heat up now with the budget and appropriations process. So the big thing, I think, since we um, recorded our last podcast is that we worked with the Music Education Policy Roundtable to release our legislative agenda back in April. So for those Listening who aren't familiar with the roundtable, this is a coalition of more than 80 organizations. These are music organizations, trade associations, businesses that all advocate for a high quality music education for all students. So we released our agenda in April. It outlined our funding priorities at the federal level and programs that support a well-rounded education, and also some of the policies that we advocate for to collect more data on access and participation to arts education. Um, I'll mention too that Zach and I had the opportunity to meet in person with some congressional offices who received the legislative agenda and wanted to meet more and be supportive of our efforts. So it was really exciting for us to be back in person on Capitol Hill having those conversations. And then I will jump in. Amanda just touched on the president's budget. I'd say that's a big thing that's happening in federal advocacy right now. Uh, The president released his budget back in March, and that's just a statement of the administration's priorities and is usually a starting point for discussions in Congress about appropriations and the federal budget for the upcoming fiscal year. Uh, which begins on October 1st. And then every year, the Committee for Education Funding, CEF, releases its budget book, which is an incredible resource for advocates and policymakers alike, giving detailed descriptions of the Department of Ed's programs, their funding history, and the need for increased funding. So that comes out to give some more information about the programs that the president is requesting funding for. And uh, this year, NAFME was able to contribute to CEF's budget book through authoring the article on the Assistance for Arts Education Program, which is through Title IV-F. We also were able to act as section editors for a few other articles within the elementary and secondary program section. So that's a couple more things that are going on in the federal advocacy space. So for our listeners, Zach, can you tell us what is CEF and why is that important that we're participating with CEF? Sure thing. So CEF is the oldest and largest coalition of education associations in the nation. And we advocate for uh, education programs, increased funding around those programs. The CEF budget book is used in that advocacy. It's a good leave behind for federal offices to give them an idea of those programs that we're advocating for. And uh, yeah, 
Oh, okay. So I just wanted to clarify for our listeners, CEF is the Committee for Education Funding. Um, and it's a coalition that we work and participate with to further our advocacy on the federal level. Um, and that book is pretty massive, but it's kind of cool to see how federal dollars are being implemented to support um, not only education, but music education so that our voices are heard. Um, I like it. Um, speaking of voices, I watch the news a lot. Um, and there's a lot of conversation and news going on about this debt ceiling and the U.S. going into default. If it's not resolved soon, it's making me a little nervous. Uh, does this have any impact on education funding? So a short answer to that question. We're not exactly sure how this is going to impact education funding. The U.S. has never defaulted on its loans before. So this is truly unprecedented territory. To go into a bit more detail, this will most likely impact education funding, and if not education funding as a whole, it will impact educators. Um, whether we avoid the debt limit or we do actually default on our loans, this will profoundly impact the American economy as a whole with trickle-down effects impacting education. Uh, just to give you a couple ideas of what potential impacts of a default could include, delays to social security payments, uh, delays to payments to federal employees, as well as um, delays in federal grants to states for things like highways and education. So that's one way that it might impact education that fe those federal funds that are going to the states may not arrive on time. And then generally, uh, if we were to default on our loans, the US, there's most likely going to be just general financial downturn. So increased borrowing costs, a higher unemployment rate, and then just lower trust in the U.S. government globally since we weren't able to pay back our loans to other governments. Okay. And then if we were to avoid the debt limit, this would have to be done through a bill raising the funding caps, which would have to pass through Congress and go on to be signed by the president. And uh, that bill could also have potentially devastating impacts on education funding. Yeah, Jasmine, so at the time that we're recording this podcast, negotiations are still underway. President Biden had a meeting with congressional leaders, I think it was yesterday or two days ago, just to talk about that. But one thing that Republicans in Congress are really pushing for is decreased funding for non-defense discretionary programs. And so that includes a lot of programs um, that we care about, but specifically education, housing, uh, labor programs, healthcare, you know, anything that's kind of within domestic spending would fall into that category. And so some of the proposals that we've seen so far talk about quite a big cut. So, you know, we've experienced this before. Those of us who've been working in education advocacy for a long time might remember that back in 2011, we were faced with sequestration was like the big scary word we were talking about. And that there were funding caps that we fought really hard to raise at the time. So the Committee for Education Funding came together with the organizations that represent healthcare, labor, um, and some of those other groups, and were really successful when they came together as what they called NDD United, somewhat of a wonky name for those of us who live in this world where we talk about non-defense discretionary funding all the time. So some of those efforts are just now being revived. Um, NAFME recently just signed on to a letter calling on Congress 
Congress to reject cuts to these programs. We also have encouraged members of the Music and Policy Roundtable and the state MEAs to sign on to that letter as well. And then there could be potentially some visible events to talk about funding. CEF is also having their Hill Day in July. And so we've talked about whether there'd be a press conference and some other ways for all these organizations to collaborate on advocacy this summer as we're really fighting hard to make sure that there aren't huge cuts to the programs that we care about. Okay. All right. So what I hear you saying is... Yes, the debt ceiling is scary, but we're not really sure exactly how this will impact education funding because we've never had it happen before, but we are working to be proactive and saying, hey, if there is this issue between uh, defense funding and non-defense funding, we want to be on the side of supporting um, education funding, which falls under non-defense, and there's a coalition that you're already a part of. Okay, so NAFME is doing some really great work in advocating to keep education funding um, from the federal level, um, at least level, so that we can continue to do this great work. I can breathe a little bit better. Thanks, guys, for your work. Um, speaking of federal funding, on our previous episodes, we have heard phenomenal stories from advocates whose school districts actually embrace federal funding to make positive changes for the students in their communities. NEFME released a report regarding how the, how teachers nationwide were able to access federal funding for music education. Can you guys talk to us about uh, what you found in the survey results? Yeah, and these were results that were released during Music in Our Schools Month in March, but it was a collaborative effort between NAFME, the NAM Foundation, and the national organizations representing the dance, theater, and visual arts educators. But we had just over 340 responses to the survey from almost every state, D.C. and Puerto Rico, And the responses were fairly evenly split with about 35% reporting that federal funds had been used to support music and arts education, 35% reporting that they had not been used for that purpose, and still about 30% of the respondents who just are not familiar with the funding source for their programs. So this was really eye-opening for, I think, those of us working at the organizations that, um, you know, we really understand that we have to constantly be educating our members, all of you listening to the podcast today about these funding opportunities and how they can access them for their programs. I'll actually give a shout out to a previous episode with James Dougherty from North Carolina. I think he did a really great job of talking about, you know, who to be talking to at the district office about the source of funding for your programs and kind of how you can form a relationship with that person, be helpful, and, you know, just learn the ins and outs of the process to advocate for those funds. But We got some good data. I think maybe not too surprising, but the federal funding source that was most often cited were the ESSER funds. This was the the funding that came through the COVID relief packages, the emergency funding. We also heard that the respondents were able to access Title I funds and Title IV. And a lot of them did use that money to purchase instruments, Um, other supplies, some of the personal protective equipment they needed for the classroom to be able to keep their programs 
you know, to keep to keep the programs in place when we return to in-person learning, but some of them were really creative. Yeah, I love reading some of the the feedback that the educators provided in the report. And I'll link that report um, to this episode so that people can read about federal funding and how it can actually be used to support music education. You said you were talking about, uh, you know, the funding process and for our listeners who don't follow the federal appropriations process, can either one of you tell us what to expect in the next coming months? Sure thing. So I can give you an overview of uh, what a typical federal appropriations process looks like, but this year's may be a bit different. So I'll also give you an outlook on that one as well. The federal budget cycle runs from October 1st to September 30th of the following year. And the appropriation process starts off with the president's budget request, which is typically released in February. And like I said before, this serves as a statement of the administration's priorities for the upcoming fiscal year. From there, the House and Senate appropriations committees will use the president's funding requests uh, as a starting place for their discussions around program funding. The appropriations subcommittees will then hold hearings throughout the spring to examine the budget requests and uh, needs of just the differing federal programs. Uh, Once those hearings are finished, the appropriations committees go on to mark up their funding bills, amending funding requests as needed before being approved by the full appropriations committee, which usually happens sometime in the summer, uh, late June, early July. And then once an appropriations bill is approved by the full House and Senate, it goes on to the president to be signed into law. All right. So uh, with the looming debt ceiling, this year's appropriation cycle will be atypical. Uh, The House Republican proposal involves slashing $144 billion from the government's current funding, which is definitely a non-starter for discussions with House and Senate Democrats. So before appropriations discussions can begin in earnest, Congress is going to have to settle the debt ceiling debate. Mm, Interesting. So I understood all the things that you just said, but I can't help think about Schoolhouse Rock. I'm just a bill. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to sing it due to copyright, but I just encourage you all to go listen to that and then think about this is what our appropriations, um, aka funding, that process applies to how we get federal funding. So thank you for sharing that and putting that into words. Um, so what can our listeners do to have their voices be heard in support of federal funding for music education? So we do have an active campaign encouraging Congress to fund programs that support music education. It includes Titles One, Two, and Four of the Every Student Succeeds Act or ESSA. Anybody can go to the NAFME website. It's open to both members and non-members. Um, but if you go to nafme.org, then click on Advocacy and the Grassroots Action Center, it should be the first campaign listed there. So we really hope that listeners will send a message to your members of Congress about, you know, why these programs are important to you. The letter can be tailored for you to include kind of a personal um, story about the impact on your classroom, your school, whether you're a a parent or, or whomever you are advocating for these programs. But we also hope that you'll share it widely. Um, like I mentioned, the site is open to non-members, so would really encourage our listeners to be sharing it with 
other music education advocates in your state and your school community um, so that we can really spread the word about why these programs are important and why Congress needs to fund them. And I'll link that campaign in the show notes as well so they don't have to go looking for it. It'll be right below. Um, so in addition to this campaign where people can go and send a message directly to their legislative office uh, or offices, sorry, the you also have the Committee for Education Funding Meetings and Coalitions and signing on to the non-defense discretionary funding um, letters and what else is NAFME doing to bring awareness and actionable impact for federal funding in support of music education? Well, I'm glad you asked that, Jasmine, because we actually have one of our biggest advocacy events coming up in the summer. On June 23rd, uh, NAFME is going to be hosting its Hill Day, where members will hold meetings with their representatives on Capitol Hill to advocate on behalf of music education. We're really excited to be bringing back our Hill Day in person. It's our yearly culminating advocacy event with uh, the members advocacy focused on programs and legislation that were identified as impacting music education in the music education policy roundtables legislative agenda. But I will say, even though this year's Hill Day is in person, it's not just for members physically in the DC area. We'll be providing a few ways for music education advocates to show their support to members of Congress from the comfort of their home. We plan to roll out a virtual advocacy campaign and provide some social media graphics in support of those programs impacting music education. So if you're interested in adding your voice to our Hill Day messaging, make sure to stay tuned for more information on these virtual opportunities to advocate. Yay! And I would just add, Jasmine, that we'll be using the hashtag NAFME Hill Day while our folks are on the Hill. So um, definitely be watching the hashtag on June 23rd and, you know, be sharing those photos out because it will be, just be great to see um, music educators up on Capitol Hill visiting with members of Congress, congressional staff and advocating. So please help spread the word by sharing that as well. Yeah. And to the listeners, y'all share photos of your own students, of of your own musical journey and add that hashtag because the more uh, music that we make and attention that we bring to music education, the better, because we know that um, what we do is, is a passion work and we, we need to have that support from the federal level. So I'll put more information about the Hill Day and how you can participate uh, wherever you are, again, in the show notes. I'm excited about this Hill Day thing. So June, what was the date again? June Friday, 23rd. June 23rd. Friday, June 23rd. Go ahead and mark it in your calendar. I'll wait for you. Don't worry. June 23rd, you got it? Okay, great. Um, <laughs> team, I I have enjoyed our time um, with you and thank you for giving us an update on the federal level and all the things that NAFME staff is doing and NAFME members can do, right? Because we do this work in tandem. Um, I always ask my guest, do you have any questions for me? Uh, I have one question for you, Jasmine. Okay. So with things slowing down in schools and uh, in the federal government over the summer, I was wondering if you had any suggestions for how podcast listeners can continue their advocacy work throughout the summer. Yeah. So we already gave the Hill Day participation, you know, social media. That's a huge thing um, for the federal level. But I do think that as your school year is coming to an end, 
um, and you take that much needed and definitely deserved break um, if you're an educator, I would say that this is a great opportunity for you to do some reflective work on some of the strengths of your program and to do some planning. If you want to like dive into advocacy and make it sustainable, you know, start a plan on how you can implement what you might've heard in a podcast episode um, or who you might want to talk to about federal funding at your school level. Maybe you want to come up with some sort of conversation with your principal, or you want to reach out to someone at your district level. Now is the time to start thinking about that because once school starts and everything starts rolling in September, October, you don't have that time to reflect and sit and ask those questions. So I encourage them to think about what does your advocacy, what do you want it to look like and who do you want to engage in this process of doing advocacy for the 2023-24 school year? Oh my gosh, it's coming. It's coming a lot sooner than we realize. Um, no, I yeah. think that's a great tip, Jasmine. I think um, what we're learning is, you know, advocacy is year round all the time. <laughs> all the time. <laughs> it's never a bad time to be talking to people at the local level, state level, federal level um, about why these programs are so important and how they um, yeah. help with student engagement and just bring joy to kids in the classroom. Exactly. I like how you said it's never a bad time it's always a great time to talk about the, the need and importance of music education. Agree. And I just had a thought the summer might be a good time for coalition building with your fellow educators. You guys have a bit more bandwidth. So uh, see about meeting with other, other educators in your network planning for the school year. Yeah. It's a great time to have a lunch or maybe a brunch or dinner and just say, Hey, you know what, here's what I'm thinking about. Let's be some uh, thought partners. I'm going to use what James taught me. Let's let's <laughs> let's be thought partners in this process. So you're not doing that work alone. Yeah, that's a great idea. All right, listeners, um, here's your opportunity to share your voice with legislators because I'm going to add that campaign again uh, to the show notes. So be uh, be on the lookout for that. And maybe we might even like have like a friendly competition of which state. <laughs> was able to get the most um, advocates to participate. We'll see. I don't know. That's a great idea. <laughs> I'd love to see which state shows up the most. And shout out to our friends in New Mexico, because when we did this in the fall of 22, New Mexico showed up and they showed out. They got like, I mean, it was like twice as many as everybody else. So we see you, New Mexico. Let's see if you can deliver that again. Um, but we've opened this campaign uh, in support of federal funding for music education until October. Um, and we look forward to hearing from you. And so if you have anything that you would like us to know about this episode, if you want to say thanks, Amanda and Zach, send us a message either on Amplify or you can leave us a note below. But until then, let's go make some music, y'all. Have a great day. Bye. Bye, everyone.